five. Apologize for not having my own Bible turned there. You're already there, and I'm not. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. May God add a blessing to His Word. You may be seated. Father, we humbly come before You now and before Your Word, the living Word, the Word of authority in our life. Praying, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would now speak. Speak in our minds, speak in our hearts, and write these scriptures on our heart. And then empower us to live them. For Father, you have called us to a special mission. And I pray this morning, Father, I may communicate the message you have given me as to the responsibility with that mission. And so, Father, as we dive into your word, I ask your blessing to be upon it in Jesus' name. Last week, I spoke with a brother of mine who I've known for many, many, many years. And he is going through a tough time in life. And for the sake of not identifying him in a sermon, I will just simply call him Tony. Now, Tony and I have known each other for years. I have ministered to Tony on several occasions, and over the last six months, we have been calling each other back and forth because I know what he's struggling with is very difficult. He's got a lot of things that are coming against him. And as we spoke last week, and I was just listening to him describe his struggles before he faces a main struggle, which is exasperating his other struggle, and just listening to him, I sensed that Tony would change who he was depending upon who he was with, and not always in a good way. He spoke about old service buddies that he would golf with, those whom he works with in his profession, which are business professionals, and also his Christian friends. After a few minutes, I asked him a simple question. When you walk into a room, or you meet people, or you go to a meeting, or you arrive at a golf course where your service buddies are, or when you are with your Christian friends, whom are you representing? Whom are you representing? After a few minutes of silence, he did not have an answer because he knew what I was getting at, and it's the source of his struggles. 
Let me ask you the same question that I asked my friend Tony. When you walk into a room, when you meet people, or you go into a meeting, or you go to work, or you go to the golf course, or you go out fishing with friends, or you're here in the midst of Christ's church, brothers and sisters in Christ, whom are you representing? My friends struggle, and we have to be honest with ourselves, we struggle as well. Is living a life that always reflects and projects Christ? And the reason why we do this is because we tend to, and you've heard me say this before, we tend to compartmentalize our lives where work is work, interest are interest, family is family, and church is church. And therefore, we put on different personas depending on whom we're with. Now, Paul himself stated that in order to win the Jews, he became a Jew. In order to win those that followed the law, he became the as one who followed the law. When those who are weak, he became weak himself in order to win their souls. But at the same time, do you not recall that Paul withstood Peter to his face for being two-faced? And the difference between what Paul says that he does in becoming like a Jew and becoming like those that follow the law and those who are weak, and Peter is... Paul never compromised Christ. He never compromised his life in Christ, but Peter did. And so within the Scripture, Paul is reminding the church who needs reminding, who do they represent? And what message does that representation speak. Now, within our scripture this morning, Paul identifies a specific term for that responsibility and for that message. And the term that he spoke of and uses to identify it is ambassadors. Ambassadors. So this morning, I want to explore what that means. So that when we walk out of this building today, we know who we are and who we represent. Now, when we look at words, and you know me and my flow of sermons and how I go about preaching, I always try to define the words because we need to understand what the English word means in the original Greek, Hebrew, or other languages that Jesus spoke, Aramaic. What does he mean by ambassadors? Well, the word used here by Paul in the Greek it's not that far different from our English understanding of what the definition is. And so in Webster's Dictionary, we find the word meaning this, an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. I think we all know that, right? That's basic government. I, I think they still teach that in high school, don't they? Government? Maybe a watered-down version of it. But we know what an ambassador is, right? Now... As I reflected on that definition in relationship to Scripture, I found that we are called in the same manner by Christ. First, as ambassadors, we are accredited, 
meaning we are officially recognized, certified, and empowered to represent Christ. Listen to 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. You and I have been chosen as a royal priesthood for a specific purpose. We have not been simply saved from our sins, but we have been enriched with a high calling with a high position and an accreditation by way of Christ. As Christ was accredited, we are now accredited in Him to do that which He has called us to do. And it's for everyone who has been called by Christ. Just not the pastors, just not the elders, just not the evangelists. Every one of you But we're also empowered. We're also empowered as an ambassador is empowered by the nation who sends them. We have been empowered by Christ who sends us. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit residing in you. And this Holy Spirit that we receive, the person of the Holy Spirit, is the power in which we live this life in Christ. Absent, we couldn't do it. For what Christ has called us to do, we cannot do in our own strength. For we can do nothing apart from Christ Jesus. And it is His authority by which we represent Him not our own. And this authority is not the authority of ruling, but the authority of proclamation. Such as Peter when he stood before the council with John and were perceived to be uneducated, common men, and yet spoke with power and authority concerning the things of God. And we have been given the same power and authority Entrusted to us by Christ, just like Peter. And so we are credited, we are empowered, we've been given authority, but are we sent? I think we all know the answer to that question, right? John chapter 17, Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer. In verse 15 and 16 it says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. That's you and me not just the apostles, but that you would keep them from the evil one. For they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. And then verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. You have been sent. You have been sent.
So what is all this saying? We have been accredited. We've been empowered. We've been given authority. We've been sent on behalf of our Lord into a world where He has called us to represent Him, not just in church, but in our entire life. We are His emissary. We are His ambassador. Now, do you see yourself in that light? Have you ever viewed yourself in that light? This is why we preach what we preach. This is why we teach what we teach. This is why we read the Word of God. For some, their faith is nothing more than what they receive. They've been saved, sealed, and satisfied. And they desire no more. Because that's what they're comfortable with. But as you just learned, you've been accredited, empowered, and given authority, and sent into a world to represent Christ as an ambassador on His behalf. And remember what Scripture says about gifting and calling. They are unrevocable. And when you walk into that room, or you place, or that place where other people are, and you meet people, do they see Christ? Do they see an ambassador of Christ? Or do they see you? This is the struggle that Tony was facing. This is the struggle that we times had faced and may be facing now. And I told him the reason why he's struggling is because he's not representing Christ. He's representing himself. And he's failing to give himself fully unto the Lord so that he is Lord of his life. He's compartmentalizing his faith. So he could be who he needs to be and wants to be in various different groups of people. He is holding on to his identity versus fully embracing Christ's identity in him. Remember in the scripture early on in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He has not allowed that to manifest in his life. And we may not be allowing that to manifest in our lives. Listen, if you do not give yourself fully to the Lord in every situation and represent him, guess what? You will be an ambassador of yourself. Now, for some, they might say, well, okay. What's the big deal with that? But see, we understand something, that we've been given a mission with that accreditation, with that calling, with that empowerment, and with that authority. And just like any other ambassador sent to a country, they have a purpose. They have a mission. And that purpose and mission is to promote and secure the interests of the one who sent them. Whether it's economical, trade, defense, treaties, They are all the official envoy to that country and speak on behalf of its leaders. It is the same with us. As ambassadors of Christ, we too have a mission. Look at verse 18, right here in our text. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
There's your mission. There's our mission. There's my mission. Now, this ministry of reconciliation is in a very important ministry in which God has called us to do. And this ministry of reconciliation is God calling sinful people to be reconciled, meaning to receive them back into His favor, bringing about a renewed relationship that was lost due to sin. And, a part, of the, and part of the overall plan of redemption of man through Christ. From the fall of man in the garden, God has sent in motion His plan of redemption. And every day He's unfolding it. And reconciliation is part of that plan. And He has chosen you, He has chosen me, to be the ministers of that reconciliation. Now, He doesn't need us. We bring nothing to the table that appeals to Him in propagating this mission. And absent of Him, we can accomplish nothing. Not one dot, not one tittle of this plan. But He chooses to use us. He chooses to call us. He chooses to accredit us. He chooses to empower us. He chooses to use us to bring about this ministry of reconciliation to a lost and dying world. Now, this mission, missional ministry that we have received in reconciliation is all part of His glorious plan. The Great Commission that we see in Matthew 28. Now, I have either served or been employed with the Department of Defense for over almost 40 years. I'm a 20-year veteran of the Air Force, security forces, and I interview a lot of pilots. I talk to a lot of Army um, in my current job that I have, and I always hear the same term, mission-orientated, mission-orientated, or keep focused on the mission, especially when distractions come in and delays occur. Keep focused on the mission because that's what we've been tasked to do. And here's what that term means being focused on the mission. It used to guide the unit in a successful direction. It orients airmen, soldiers, sailors, and Marines and provides an overall focus. And the strength of the mission orientation is distinctive both in its emphasis and in the way in which, in the way that it built, is built into the culture. It can have a substantial impact on behavior of the military personnel. Military personnel are nearly always aware of the mission they've been tasked with and the empowerment to accomplish it. Again, the similarities with that definition and what we've been called to do for Christ are very apparent. First one, does our mission that we have been given, the ministry of reconciliation, guide our lives. Does it guide your life? Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Is that what we project every day? In the same way, out of Matthew 5.16, 
Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Is your light shining? Does your mission in Christ guide your lives? Or does your mission orientate our lives and give focus on what we are called to do? In other words, it orientate your lives, that means you adjust your life in accordance with the mission that you've been given. 1 Corinthians 2.2, For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The words of Paul. Does that describe us? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and by the testing that you may discern the will of God, which guides us every day, aligns us with His mission every day, so that we would understand what is good and acceptable and perfect in Him. Are your lives orientated to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, how about ambassadors? As ambassadors in Christ, we're also called into a culture of Christ, which is countercultural to the world. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Are we so tied to the culture of this world that it compromises our mission in Christ? Are we always aware of our commission and our mission? Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. Are we walking in accordance with His mission? And so we see Scripture is very clear that we need to be as focused on our mission with Christ just like we call our military members to be focused on the missions that we give them. But ours is far greater. Ours is about eternal life and death for those who don't know Jesus. And here's the point of all of this. As I told Tony, I now tell you, we need to be on mission every day in every way, notwithstanding our chief end as believers is to glorify God and fully enjoy Him. We are also to focus on the mission every day. He has chosen us to carry out this mission. He's entrusted it to you. He has commissioned you in it. He's empowered you to do it. You lack nothing in accomplishing it. Except obedience. And it, and, it, and it can go down to the minor elements of life. If you have to go get a car fixed and you're having problems with the mechanic and you're getting frustrated, you're getting upset, are you representing Christ? When I came and seen the error that they did on this wall and I was frustrated. 
And I told my brother I was frustrated. Was I representing Christ? So when we walk into that board meeting, that business meeting, that staff meeting, the grocery store, your employment, your family gatherings, your friend outings, your golf courses, or wherever you find yourself, remember who you are representing. It's not you. It's Christ. And listen to this. For some, you may be the only witness they see. Now, we've talked about accreditation, empowerment, and authority. We've talked about our mission. We now need to talk about the fact that because we're called to be ambassadors of Christ, we have been given a message, just like an ambassador who goes to another country. And that message is of reconciliation. We see that in chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making His appeal through us. Now, ambassadors who are called to other countries at times carry a message in that country and leaders for those who sent them, and sometimes that message is not always well-received. That message is resistant at times, unaccepted at others, and hostile some of the time. It's the same for us as well as ambassadors of Christ. We, too, bring a message, a very important message of life and death. And this is a grave responsibility that we have. Because eternity is at stake. And as emissaries of the message of reconciliation, we need to take it seriously. And this message is rooted in our calling. For Mark 16, 15 says, Go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. It's what we're called to do. It's not just for the evangelists or the apostles. And we have received the power to do this by way of the Holy Spirit. But listen to Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's just not me. That's all of us. That's all of us. I'm so thankful for Joel, who spoke life into my dead life by way of Christ's words. Forever changed my life. Saved me from eternal condemnation. Recently, I read a sermon from a pastor who preached on this verse back in 1871. And he fashioned his sermon to a world that is at war with God. And that there was enmity between his creation and his holiness. And he pressed within his sermon the great responsibilities an ambassador has in being sent to an impoverished country, torn by war, with all the destruction and bringing a message of hope and reconciliation and peace in the midst of despair, just like our ambassadors did after World War II. Brothers and sisters, we have been sent to such a world. We see the war every day between God and His creation. 
and its devastation it has brought upon them in being impoverished spiritually. And our commission, our mission is to make his appeal to them, to be reconciled to him, to bring redemption, hope, peace, and unity with the Father. We're talking about it in Sunday school today. Every person the Lord has blessed me with to bring the gospel message of Jesus Christ to them, they were searching, they were looking, they were seeking, they knew there was a void that they couldn't fill, and they're asking, how do I get rid of this void? What must I do to be saved? And when we take this message... We're not to take it passively. The word used in our scripture this morning was implore. And that word implore means a passion and a desire that matches the severity of the situation and possible rejection of the gospel. And that we're to implore people, which means beg them to consider the words of Christ, to consider the gospel, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, and to consider its message. Look, none of us would casually say to a child on the edge of a cliff, be careful. Our natural instinct, everybody in this room's natural instinct will be concerned for the life of the child and take serious action to avoid the danger and to ensure that he did not fall off that cliff. Brothers and sisters, we have friends, we have family, we have people we love that are on the edge of a cliff. Are we passively saying, be careful, you might fall into an eternity you don't want? Or are we imploring them? Are we begging them? Are we spiritually, instinctively caring for them, trying to grab them from the side of a cliff? When I spoke to Tony, I told him that he carries with him, by virtue of his faith in Christ, a very important message of life and hope for those who are perishing. Brothers and sisters, not only are we to be focused on the mission, but we have a message. And it must always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. But again, we're not to be passive in it, but offensive in a sense that we're always, in the military terms, always moving forward never giving up ground, always progressing, always advancing. The gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a mission, but don't forget the message. You see, sometimes people think if I just build a relationship, maybe some of this Jesus will rub off on them. This evangelism by, what's that called when you, uh, I lost the word. Osmosis, Osmosis thank you. It's evangelism by osmosis. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. He says that we're to bring the message. You're to bring the message. Are we bringing the message? Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. And summing up what I've been talking about here, I just want to implore you as I implored Tony, as I implore myself, 
as Paul implores us, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter whom we encounter, we are called to be ambassadors of Christ. We need to be about His mission and His message at all times. We cannot be different people apart from Christ. We must be consistent in who we are and whom we represent. I gave Tony a simple exercise to perform as we closed our conversation on the phone, and I'll give you the same simple exercise as I close this sermon. When you walk into a room or you engage with people, before you speak, ask yourself the question, whom am I representing? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message. It's a hard one, Lord. I needed to hear it first and foremost, Lord. I pray we all heard it in the encouraging way in which, Father God, I hope I presented it. It's an important message, Lord, and I pray that we would grasp it and we would walk in it every day. And so, Father, as we leave, after we celebrate the Lord's table, I pray that you have written this on our hearts so that we would walk in it every day.